Welcome back. You are listening to the Brand Builders Lab podcast and we're at episode 137 and today we are definitely in chill out mode as we talk great reads with Steph Clark from Steph's Business Bookshelf podcast. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hello, my lovely. How are you? I hope that you are enjoying the holiday season, which is when this podcast is out. And so I just wanted to have a bit of a chilled, like, you know, podcast season over sort of December and the beginning of January, where we're just talking about books and we're talking about things that are not always purely business, which I think is quite nice. I'm diving into quite a few books over this period. And so I thought, let's do some Let's do some fun, easy listening uh, during this time on the podcast as well. So I hope that you enjoy it. And if you're reading something amazing, make sure that you share it. And I'll be sure to share it on Instagram at Suze Chadwick. You can tag me because I like to share all of the things. I did do a couple of posts on my Instagram feed a little while ago sharing my top 10 books. And I got so much feedback saying thanks for sharing them. And people were going off and buying them or getting them on Audible and all the rest of it. And so I do love to share and I love to hear what you're reading and what you're loving as well. And I'm very excited that my new book, which I haven't completely confirmed the title of, will be coming out in 2021. That's the plan. So I'm excited to be sharing that with you as well. But listen, before we dive into this week's episode, just letting you know that Brand Builders Academy, which is my signature course, will be back at the end of January, start of February. So head to suzechadwick.com forward slash BBA for Brand Builders Academy, BBA, and jump on the wait list so that when that opens, you can find out all about it and come and work with me to create the systems, strategies, and structures to be able to scale your business. But hey, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Steph, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Hi, Suze. Thanks for having me. So good. Now, Steph, I always see you on Instagram talking about books and what you're reading. And I thought, I love talking about books. And so I thought, I'm going to get you on the podcast to talk about what you've been reading, what you're loving. And I also always love to ask, what's like your favorite books? But before we dive into that, do you want to just tell my listeners a bit about you and who you are and what you do and where books have kind of come into your business and your life and all the rest of it? Yep. Lots of things to cover there. How long have we got? <laughs> uh, I love your nut- post. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> you, we clearly haven't hung out for a while. Uh, there's no such thing as in a nutshell. <laughs> Uh, especially when it comes to books no I so first things first so I'm Steph Clark I'm a facilitator a designer and a podcaster and I talk about books a lot on my podcasts in particular so the podcast is called at the moment is called Steph's Business Bookshelf although by the time this goes out it might be in the process Mm. of renaming so that's a little Mm. sneak peek there but you will still find it Steph's Business Bookshelf Uh, and I facilitate the facilitation work I do is around uh, helping teams be better teams so I work with a lot of leadership teams executive teams but also functional kind of departmental teams as well to help them overcome some challenges or just work better together and understand each other better so that's kind of a little bit of the the long and the short and well hang on a sec so how do you do that so use a mixture of facilitation obviously so facilitation skills and helping just and really it's around creating the space for the right conversations to happen because a lot of teams and you've seen the Sue's and you know for those listening you'll you'll normally when I say I help teams be better teams people say oh <laughs> hang on wait how long have you got have you got a list I can, I can give you a list <laughs> yeah of some teams that need some help so normally it's that teams aren't having the conversations that they need to have so often more often than not I'll go in and help them create the space to have that conversation and and really to have it in a way that is productive and helps people move forward rather than just 
airing dirty laundry and letting it hang there and then not knowing what to do with it. So generally I work with teams over a period of time to unpack what's happening, unpack what has happened potentially, if there's a few skeletons that need to be exercised and then get back together and redefine what good looks like and redefine what they want to be known for as a team. So sometimes it's teams that are just brand new, there's a new leadership or something along those lines, or they've been through some kind of transaction or transition, or it is a team that are, for want of a better word, a bit dysfunctional and, and they know that they know things aren't working and they want but they they the intent is for them to to work better together amazing I love that yeah, yeah and I'm sure that there's so many organizations especially maybe this year as well in 2020 when we we're recording this where it's just displaced mm-hmm. everything's so virtual and people aren't physically in the same room and you know there's pressures in the world and all the rest of it so yeah yeah so that's that's really interesting and so how did you kind of just why did you decide to start the podcast and have you always been a reader I have always been a reader. I had a bit of a reading hiatus for a few years as kind of a teenager and would just sort of binge read on holiday. But yeah, it was definitely the kid under the covers thinking they'd fooled their parents into uh, thinking they'd I'd gone to bed. But I hadn't. I was under the under the covers. I had a troll. I don't know. If, I assume these were big in Australia as well. I had a troll toy. You know the trolls with the yeah. the hair a bit kind of like mine now. Yeah. <laughs> it, they, there's. I had this one that had little light up eyes. If you held its belly down, mm. so I used to sellotape its belly like the button down, so that like the eyes would stay lit up, and then use that as my little torch under the um under the. I've got I've got a visual of that, and <laughs> I love it. I love it. How old are you? Oh, I don't know, seven, seven, yeah, seven or eight. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so that was, that was definitely, yeah, my childhood was reading and, and on on holiday, it always beat me and my dad would have competitions about how many books we both get through and we'd all into the crime thrillers, you know, particularly the kind of Scandi stuff and the uh, John Grishams and all of the kind of cliche crime and uh, legal thrillers. And then kind of stopped reading a bit as I was doing some study and getting into work and things. And then, Probably about, what, five years ago or so now, I took on a new role. This is since then I moved to Australia and things by that point and took on a new role and was talking to one of the partners who I worked with, so backgrounds in professional services, and he was sort of asking me if I'd read these certain books and I hadn't, so I felt a bit silly and I thought, well, like, this won't do. <laughs> so, so I never wanted to do things by halves. I went, went, then went and read pretty much all the books and <laughs> after a while... And the books were kind of stacking up and, you know, my, my red pile was stacking up. And I thought, well, I need a way of collating and putting all this information together and, and also having something to come back to and, and also helping to retain the information. Because one of the things I think is, you know, if we're spending all this time reading and doing all this development and whatever kind of field or you know, reason that we're doing that, it seems a bit of a shame or a bit of a waste to read it and let it kind of fall out of your mind after a while. And you don't have to remember every single thing about a book, but I wanted to remember more and and have a reference point. So rather than just starting a journal or something easy, I thought I'd start a weekly podcast (laughs) and and use that to to share the ideas from the books. Because I also knew a lot of my colleagues and friends also really wanted to read and were just like, I just don't have the time. It's not a priority, which, you know, is, is totally understandable. So I wanted a way of actually being able to share some of the ideas or the three best ideas. So it's what I kind of frame the podcast as in short, commutable, uh, in the old days, it was commutable amounts of time. So less than 20 minutes and the three big ideas from the book. So I could then share that as well. Amazing. And so when did you start it? 20 uh, beginning of 20 what we are we now yes yeah, so the beginning of 2018 so it's nearly two years Amazing. no sorry 20, beginning of 2019 there we okay go. I'm, I've just hit I've just hit 100 episodes congratulations very exciting uh, and what's the response been really good and it's one of those things isn't it when you put something out there you're like oh, hopefully one person will find it helpful even if it is just me <laughs> that's yeah. that's also fine and then over, over, you know, again, you kind of build up the, the following or the listening and, and things. And yeah, people have had really great comments from people and so many people who will write to me and you know, some of them friends or colleagues or people I haven't actually spoken to for sometimes 10 years suddenly wow. will just pop up and drop me a message like, oh, by the way, I saw you're doing this. I wanted to let you know I've been listening for 18 months or whatever. And Amazing. I've, yeah, and I've, 
read books that I wouldn't have read as a result, or it's actually helped me decide whether to finish a book that I had been halfway through and had been struggling with. I was like, do I bother investing the other mm. four or five hours into the last half? Listen to the podcast, went, oh, no, I think I've probably got it all by, you know, now from reading a bit of it and then listening to podcasts. Or I had listened to the podcast and gone, actually, I will invest the rest of the time because it sounds like actually there's more that I want to get out of it. So all of these different things. It's just the thing that really pleases me is that people find it useful. Mm. Yeah, that's so great. And how do you decide which books you're going to read now? A bit of a mixture. So sometimes there is the, you know, new books coming out by an author I really like, then great. That's almost an easy, an easy win. You know, that's the ones that are kind of obvious. And then sometimes it'll be a recommendation. So I, you know, someone will message me and say, Steph, I saw you read this. Have you read that? And they'll say no. And then that would be spare me to read that one. But also sometimes it's just what I need at the time. So I find for me, my particularly as I pretty much predominantly read nonfiction, like 90 something, you know, 96% of my books are, are nonfiction that I read. And so sometimes within that, I do need a bit of a break from new models or ideas or whatever. So things like biographies and autobiographies and memoirs are really nice ways to, to break up that. So for me, sometimes every couple of months, I'll be like, oh, today, you know, I well, not today, but this week or this book, I need it to be a memoir or an autobiography or something like that. Yeah. And again, you know, just simple logistical things. Like if I'm traveling a lot, I'll need something that's on my Kindle. If I'm at home and I've got a lot more time in my hands or I'm taking one of my reading weeks, which were inspired by Bill Gates, then I'll read some of the thicker ones and it'll be something less portable than, than yeah. So there's multiple things mm. that, that feed into it, a bit like choosing what you're going to have for dinner, really. <laughs> uh, I just have to pick up on the Bill Gates thing because I watched... What was it? It was a documentary. Brain. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It was a doc- and it was so interesting on Netflix. And yeah, and he goes away for like a week with all of these books and just reads them. And I feel like Warren Buffett was the same where he was like, I basically, if you're not reading a book a week or some a book a day or something mm-hmm. like that, then you're what are you doing with your time? And so it's so interesting that these juggernauts you know, in our culture are just, they're just like reading is everything. Mm. Obama's the same. And he, he I can't remember the number I've seen. It's, you know, it's been publicised somewhere about how many books he still read when he was running America. Yeah, it's just incredible, isn't it? You know, so many people are like, oh, I don't have time for, well, you know, whether it's books, whether it's exercise, whatever. You just think, if Obama can make time, I probably can too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, let's dive in because I mm. wanted to know what your favourite books were and why. And so where are we going to start? Going to start Is with... this in order or it's just... No, this is okay. in no particular order, but okay. they are all books. I re- so it's all books I read this year. They're not necessarily all out this year. So a couple of them, couple of them were out this year or the back end of last year, but yeah. they're just books I read this year that I just loved. Uh, and there's a bit of awesome. a selection in there. Awesome. So I am going to, do you want me to just talk about one and then we'll ultimately? Yeah, let's just, yeah. Let's just dive right. in. Let's see how we go. Cool. <laughs> right uh, so I'm going to start with Range by David Epstein, who was, he's a journalist and, and I really enjoy books by journalists. I've talked about this a couple of times before because I just find they go into a different direction. They go into different levels of depth they're, and they're great storytellers. Okay. And they pull out a different part of the story than I find maybe other types of authors do and certainly maybe scientists or researchers do. Anyway, so David Epstein, Range. And for me, this is the probably most life-affirming book I've ever read because it's all about the generalist and how it is okay not to be an expert in something. Oh, okay. And so what made you decide to read this book? Because I heard what it was about and I just thought this is what I've been <laughs> this is what I've been waiting my whole life for, someone to do this research and validate my life decisions. Existence. So, yeah. Cool. And so what did you get out of the book? Other than just existential validation, <laughs> I got <laughs> the other thing I got from the book was just the how important it is that we are just, and it's, it's kind of cliche. And if you've read anything about any kind of innovation or better ideas, whatever it's, it's kind of been said, but it's just the importance of using and pulling from different sources in order to solve 
complex problems and particularly complex problems. And the fact that even NASA and some of these like really big institutions who are known for their expertise, 3M is another really good example, yeah. who the reason they're so good is that they have got over themselves and realized that actually by crowdsourcing or pulling from people who have actually no experience in that particular area might help them solve some of the things that have stumped them for years. Yeah. You know something, and I always say when I talk about thought leadership as well, is that you can't be a thought leader without other people's thought leadership. Mm. Like you've got to be, like when we look at, and I did a podcast on this around thought leadership, it's not just your beliefs and your life experiences, but it's that collective research Mm. and that informs what you talk about or gives it more uh, complexity or dimensions or that sort of thing. So I think that anybody that thinks that they're an island, I think is a bit delusional. And I also think, like you said, we can only expand our thinking by listening to others as well as having our own experiences as well. And I think the the most important part that's weaved into so many of the stories in that book is that, finding that inspiration from other fields altogether because I think it's very easy for us to stay in still that kind of I don't know particular industry that we're in and we might think oh well I'm well networked with other people in insurance or in other people in whatever kind of field you're in but actually by finding someone else who is a doctor you know might actually help you in your insurance role make a better decision and there was plenty of examples of that in the book and there's actually a medical one where they this person who had a, a, a medical background to help solve some kind of engineering problem because they in the back in their side projects and you know just in their pottering in the shed of the weekend they were playing with something some material that actually would have helped solve yeah NASA's problem so yeah all these different things and also that that point on the importance of hobbies and side projects to yeah. to help find those connections that you wouldn't otherwise see. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so uh, we were, I was on a retreat recently and one of the girls was saying that she's been struggling with a problem for a long time and the minute that she just got in the car and wasn't doing anything, she's like all of a sudden all of these ideas were coming to her that she hadn't really thought about and she sort of solved part of the problem mm-hmm. um, by doing that. And I think we are always so in it, like we're always doing and we're always maybe consuming, you know, our things that are relevant for us and that and we don't have that kind of space or that you know just other things that you can that can prompt different thinking and different Mm -hmm. thoughts and I think it's just so important to be able to do that and it was really interesting like um, I mean I talk about it all the time as well that being bold and having a bold brand is actually about being completely different and looking outside your industry and, you know, what's, what is Tesla doing right now in their marketing and how can I learn mm-hmm. from that? Is there something I can adopt into my business? And some of my BBA ladies were just saying one of the biggest benefits that they've actually gotten in the course um, has been throwing their problems out to a group of creatives who are photographers and designers and mm-hmm. celebrants and coaches and just getting a totally different perspective instead of just sticking with people who do what they do. Yeah. And I just the other really powerful thing from that is using analogy. So I think as well, like next time you're making dinner and this is like, there's really simple exercises you can do around this. Like next time you're making dinner and you're chopping something or you're stirring something or you're adding heat or you're adding salt or you're adding fat or you're adding uh, some kind of spice to it. Think about what that's like in your job or your industry or your profession like just find out where those links are so actually use completely disparate activities or you know sport is probably a bit too an easy one but again completely relevant find out you know just go right how is cooking soup like helping someone get their perfect brand strategy Mm. together love it Mm. so good and so what was that one called i'm gonna start yeah range by david epstein range Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Thinking different, looking at things differently, getting outside of your usual um, and bringing in other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. And the other thing that was really interesting on that as well is like, I'm sure everybody's watched the social dilemma on Netflix um, where you constantly see things that 
that they believe are similar to you. And so getting out of that scroll and getting out of like our normal filters, I think Mm -hmm. is really important as well to read things that are the opposing argument to what you think or reading newspapers or websites that you wouldn't normally to get a different point of view. I think just from a day-to-day information interaction type mm-hmm. thing I think is really important too like we my husband and I were talking about it when we watched and we thought we really need to think else like look outside of our yeah echo chambers and rabbit holes yeah. yeah so good I love that one what was the next one that you liked this year next one was a bit of a classic I know why the cage bird sings by Maya Angelou so it's Maya Angelou's memoir of her childhood it's probably from I think about five or six years old through to about 18 17 18 yeah and just if you I just think if you want to be a better human read this book like the amount of understanding and empathy and and almost horror in some ways of some of the things that she endured and her family endured as well is just mind-blowing and you, know, you can say, oh, it was a different time and all of these things and it's in the US, it's different, you know, obviously depending on where you are, mm. but it's not. And I think this is the thing, like, yes, some of the situations have changed, like clearly we have technology now and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But, yeah, it really is, it is eye-opening and mind-opening as well as to some of the things that people are experiencing, which you intuitively, you know, but reading it and reading it as, you know, from that child's perspective as well is just so powerful. And I just think the other thing as well that made this book and also the next one I was going to mention so enjoyable is that it's, it's nonfiction written by fiction writers and it's just a different experience. Interesting. Okay. And is that, is it long? Is it short? Like, is no, it a... it's not that long. It's, okay. um, I mean, I can't remember exactly yeah, how many yeah, pages, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's probably around the sort of 250, 300 page kind of mark. So, yeah. And so well, I guess what I'm saying is like it's something that you could read like is it a whole is it something you'd read on holidays or is it a bit yeah. <laughs> a bit it's depressing not, it's not or light, is it but... <laughs> it's not light reading I guess is what we No say. but it's not uh yeah it's not one you it's not one you're going to be making notes on let's say you yeah. but you will so the stories like and you some absorb of the things will stick with you yeah Yeah that's amazing I um I really loved uh I love Big Magic, which I talk about all the time, Mm. but I also love The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, And, yeah, I just think that you can learn so much and absorb so much from from experiences that people have and Mm -hmm. the lessons that, you know, you can take away from it and things like that. And so, yeah, I'm trying not to read too many business, like as many Mm -hmm. business Mm -hmm. books mainly what I read and so what made you decide to read that book it was it's a good question actually I think again it was one that I had heard a lot of people actually mention on other podcasts I listen to that's probably actually the other place I get I pick up a lot Mm. of book book ideas or what to read next and I've got a bit of a you know bookmarks and all things all over the places from other podcasts and particularly things like it's kind of it's kind of obvious that Tim Ferriss who actually does a whole yeah. books that changed my life kind of mini series in amongst his other episodes so you, you know you can you know something I haven't heard I haven't heard um those ones from him books that mm. changed my life I'll have to I have listened to some of his podcasts but um and one of the books that I had that I read at the beginning of this year was Tribe of Mentors oh, yeah. which I really enjoyed as well because mm. I think just the stories are super interesting yeah um, books that changed my life. I'm going to yeah. check that out. And if you just scroll through, you'll see there was quite a few actually quite recently in the last probably two or three months of, of those ones he was putting out. And again, really interesting people and books you would have never heard of. And I think that's the great thing. And a mixture of fiction, nonfiction, long, short, big kind of tomes of you know mm. stuff on, I don't know, stoicism or whatever. And then, uh, you know, things like this, uh, this is water by David Foster Wallace, which is you can read in 15 minutes, but will stick with you for a long time. We are going to have all of these in the show notes. This is water, even the ones that we're just, you know, kind of shooting the breeze with. That sounds awesome. Okay, great. All right. And so what else were you reading this year that you really loved? Then other three kind of honourable mentions, and I'll stop on a couple of them, Mm. is What I Talk About When I Talk About Running by Haruki Murakami. (laughs) 
And it's I've gotten- like not heard of a lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually another one. That was a, I think pretty sure that was a Tim Ferriss one that I heard several people talk about. And I just thought, well, I've got to read this book. Re- I read it in an afternoon. Uh, I do tend to binge read. So I was, I will very happily sit for four or five hours and just read, but I read it in, a, in an afternoon it's just, and again, it's another example of a fiction writer or a predominantly fiction writer writing nonfiction. And the way he describes his running, so sorry, just a bit of context. So it's, it's Haruki Murakami, who you may have heard of. He's an incredibly prolific Japanese author, uh, predominantly fiction. And he it, he loves running and he's always he has always run. And he started taking it more seriously around the same time that he started taking writing a bit more seriously. So he actually owned a bar in Japan for a number of years, a kind of jazz club bar for a number of years, and then decided that you know, writing was what he wanted to do around the age of about 30, 32, I think, and started to pick up his running at that point. And it's really his running journal. But the way he describes these average Tuesday afternoon runs that he does and the things he sees and he just they just see and I think that's the thing with fiction writers they see differently they, mm. they see color and they see metaphor they and, they, they ex- and the way they yeah. describe it so I think for a book that is actually quite boring like in, in some ways it's actually quite boring but you will not you will like, I use that as a kind of bit of a hyperbole because it, you will not be bored. But if anyone else wrote that book, it would be dry as anything. <laughs> and so what did you take away from that book? I think part of it was actually just the writing, like that, mm. that, that experience of writing. But really what the book is about is about a, the consistent practice of something. And even if you're never going to run in the Olympics or you're never going to whatever it is, but doing something for the enjoyment, but also there's such a, a, a lesson in there around, even if you don't want to you don't feel like it, whatever, nothing else should stop you doing those things that are important. And he's, he, there's a point in the book where he says about how he doesn't understand people who say, Oh, I don't have time for run. Let's say running as an example, I don't have time for running. And he's just like, well, everything revolves around this hobby that I have. So he doesn't do anything until he's done his run or, you know, he plans yeah. everything around it. And I just think there's, there's so many lessons in there around, obviously, then he, he very much has his writing practice or manages his writing practice in the same way. So it's just a lesson on commitment, I think, really more than yeah. anything and amazing writing. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Mm. That's definitely a holiday one. That's a, that's a switch off your brain and just enjoy. Yeah, that's so good. And obviously, like we're, we're going to be um, sharing this during the mm. during the summer holidays and the festive season here in Australia. And so I thought, oh, what books can we share and get other people reading? Mm. And so, what were your other ones that you yes, had? Yes, the other one I must mention because I definitely this time I mean, it's relevant any time of year, but I think especially now is the Power of Ritual by Casper Tequil. Mm-hmm. If I don't if you've heard of that one, it was again yeah. that, that one was out this year, and it's all about finding more secular ways of creating meaning about how we how we have ritual in our lives. So from us as for individuals, for the, the family units, whatever that looks like that we're part of, the friendship groups, the, you know, the communities that we're part of and how over time that has largely eroded in many countries, certainly many Western countries, as a result of people becoming more secular and less religious, a lot of those kind of institutions kind of, you know, disenfranchising a lot of people. So this his, this is really an exploration around what can we learn from all of the different little bits and, and really kind of throwing out the rule book around make rituals that work for you and your community. And again, I use that very loosely about mm. depending on what that looks like. And I just think it's, it's just so important for us. And particularly now as we, you know, it's kind of cliche, but as we're now redesigning what life, what connection, what friendship, what relationships look like, and also what we want to do and what we want to not do in terms of just types of activities and stuff. It's such a perfect time to read that and really think about what does ritual mean to me? What do I want to do? What do I want, you know, for those who have got, maybe those who have got children or have have chosen to have children, what do you want your kids to, to remember when they look back and go, oh, every Friday we did this as a family or we did this with these friends or, you know, these friends and parents or whatever. And for those in you know, for me, who doesn't have children and you know, doesn't, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's 
not a, a plan, is thinking about, well, what, what do I want with my friendship groups? Like, what do I want, especially as well living overseas? What is that? What is family? Like, what does that mean in this scenario? And what do we do instead of the Sunday dinner that you would maybe have done 20 years ago or whatever? So all of those different things and just thinking about, yeah, what does ritual look like, um, which yeah. is really exciting. Yeah, and I also think, uh, like you said, like deliberately making those decisions, like, Mm. you know, even little things like, you know, so the other day my daughter was like, let's put up the Christmas tree. And I said, Mm. oh, you guys go ahead and you do it. And she's like, no, we all have to do it together. Mm. That's what we do every year. And then everybody has to put on silly hats and all the rest of it. (laughs) So we ended up, you know, Christmas carols. And so we ended up doing that. But I was just thought it was really interesting. Like she was like really upset Mm. until we all did it, like we all do. Um, You know, just things like that as well. But, But even now it's also thinking about, you know, what, what else could we do that could really, I guess, you know, strengthen a certain either activity or whatever mm-hmm. it is to strengthen that bond that we do on a regular basis sort yeah. of thing, you know. Even, I mean, when I think about really simple things like when I was a kid, we always sat around the dinner table and, you know, and that just never, that never ends. And now I do that with my my kids now too and it's just a moment to stop and actually connect and have a conversation and Mm -hmm. without distraction and without anything else um and so yeah I think that there are big rituals and I think that there's like almost more everyday um rituals that I think make life like it better yeah Mm -hmm. in whatever way it works for you yeah and for me the, the big one I took away from that was this idea of a tech sabbath so every weekend having, I mean, again, you, you, there's the beauty of it. You, he, gives, he gives a bit of a formula or some thoughts. So you make mm. it your own. But every weekend or every week or every, whatever, having a day where you don't have any technology. Like it's just mm. a kind of day off. And, again, how often you do that, where you do that, when you do that. But also thinking about how, do you, bring that. That, how do you bring that in. So for him, he actually will put his phone away light a candle sing a song and that kind of marks the beginning of so it's not just it's not just sort of throwaway things that then just become part of the boring fabric of of the day-to-day so it's about creating those little moments as well which I thought was again something that I think a lot of us have lost that connection with and the book is just split into four sections which is it's about creating rituals around connection with self connection with others connection with nature and connection with the transcendent I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm so going to be getting that book mm-hmm. over the holidays. Like your daughter might need to have a read of that one as well. Yeah. She'll be the one organising the, uh, the rituals. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> she would too. But I think once again, it's kind of, you know, that different thought. It's mm-hmm. like bringing, like it's, we don't think about these things. And I do love the tech Sabbath as well. I feel like I tried to do that a while ago and then I did it for maybe, I don't know, a month. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and back to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that being conscious about that is so important as well. Yeah. And what was number five for you my this last, year? Yeah, my last one was actually the first book I read this year, which was out back in the last year, which was The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And I must admit, I'm, you know, I like Simon Sinek. I like what he, his ideas and things. I'm not usually a big fan of his books. I don't really enjoy the books that much. This book was different. I really enjoyed it. I recommended it multiple times to multiple people and still do. And the thing I liked about it is that it is, it is the antithesis of how most businesses and are run and how most people live their lives. So it's, it's moving away from this idea of not moving the way away from the idea of goals, but this kind of fake environment that we set up and think it is absolutely a fundamental law of nature that we must have, you know, we must measure everything in financial year. And, that, you know, we've all seen that kind of really crap behaviour that the short termism that is driven, that drives bad decisions because it's short term thinking rather than thinking, well, hang on the next day that's going to change (laughs) on the 1st of July, you're going to have a different perspective on this than you did on the 30th of June, like all of those kind of things that we've all (laughs) got plenty of examples of and we've all seen. Uh, So it's about throwing this idea away of these really short term, kind of pointless, really (laughs) man-made, they're not fundamental laws of of nature or physics. So therefore we can, we can think about them differently. And it's about the idea of staying in the game, being, the game rather than winning the game. Talk more about that. 
So a lot of the time in business, well, yeah, again, I use that very broadly. I'm probably more thinking the kind of bigger side of businesses, although obviously not exclusively either way. It's all about winning. It's about beating the competition. It's all about kind of getting bigger and almost at, at, for the sake of it rather than mm. actually thinking about for what end. Mm. So in the infinite game, it's a lot more around thinking about, well, actually, how about we just play to stay in the game? Because mm. there is no definitive end goal. Like you can win, but... At what point? Like, yeah. how do you win? Like, what is what are you even sort of trying to do? So, by thinking in a in a longer term way, you make norm, probably better decisions because you're actually playing to not survive but to to stay yeah. in to stay healthy. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like the the idea of you know wanting to live to 150 years old. Like, what would you, you'd make very different decisions than if you're just living year to year or quarter to quarter? Yeah. Like yeah, from a health perspective and all, you know, all the rest as well, financial perspective, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I was listening to the Story Brand podcast like yesterday on a drive down to the um, peninsula and um, he had somebody on and the name escapes me. I'll have the link in the show notes. But it was somebody who he really respects and Donald Miller, who's the mm-hmm. host of Story Brand, he's a big believer in like growing. Like if you're not growing, then like, what are you doing kind of thing? And this person that he really respects and who has a super successful business, he was like, um, you know, you are all about staying small. And he said, you know, hey. Was it Paul Jarvis? Maybe. I don't know. I have to go back and take a look. But I think it was like the latest podcast episode. So mm-hmm. it was re- it was recent. Uh, and he just said, you know something, when we, when my wife and I decided to start our business, we wrote down like three or four things. One was that we always wanted to work from home. Two was that we never wanted to have staff. Three is that we never wanted to like work more than X number of hours. And so he said, we started our business in like 2000 and six or 2004 or something. And he said, and it's now 2020. And he said, and those four things still remain. Mm -hmm. And he said, and obviously, you know, we've like their business has been financially very successful. And she's, he said, but you make a choice. Mm. And so, you know, it's not always about being bigger because what is the cost of being bigger? What's the cost of growth, like that constant need to grow and build and all the rest of it? And so it was really good because Donna's like, well, I've always been like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And then he's like somebody who I really respect and think is an incredible business person has the total opposite point Mm -hmm. of view to me. And it was just, I just thought that's, yeah, that's so interesting. I think it's such a personal thing where you've really got to decide what is important to you and then how you build whatever success means to you mm-hmm. around what's important. Yeah. And Paul Jarvis, if it is Paul Jarvis, it sounds like it could be, but we yeah, have a look. But anyway, the, another book that I enjoyed this year, I wasn't going to actually mention, but was called Company of One by Paul Jarvis and very similar. And his whole thing is about better, not bigger. And I just think that's such a nice way of thinking about it because to, you know, to the point of Donald Miller, uh, Miller it's like growing for what and growing into what and I think that's the other that's the other really important thing and it's similar to you know if, uh, if I was going to do two honorable mentions of, of other books without kind of going into them in detail one of the other ones was it doesn't have to be crazy at work by Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen who are the founders of or co-founders of Basecamp and that's exactly that it's like why does working in tech have to be crazy and everyone doing like mental hours and all this kind of thing it's like well no like let's like we get to decide. Like I think that's the important thing is we get to decide. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the other thing, um, you know, just sort of talking a little bit about podcasts, it's a little bit of a segue here, but um, how I built this, the podcast from a business perspective, I feel has given me, I feel like it's like, it's just helped me to be so realistic about business. Like when they talk about, you know, um, I was working a job and building my business for four years, or I went into business and I had three credit cards that I maxed out. (laughs) And then it was right when we were about to like die, or, you know, it was about to all fall apart that we found success. And, um, you know, it's this, it's just really breaking the 
thought process that I'm going to get into business and within the first three to six months, I'm mm-hmm. going to make a million dollars. Um, and so I think that, you know, books that challenge your thinking and I think podcasts as well, I just think, you know, they're just so incredible just to be able to listen to on the go. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big audible listener um, as well, but I do want to get some physical books these holidays and just sit and not be connected to anything yeah yeah. um I just think are so important for us to hear other people's stories absolutely yeah Yeah. so good Mm. you got time to do yours yes absolutely so some (laughs) of the ones and I did share some of them on on insta today um so the last holidays I read Richard Branson finding my virginity (laughs) Which I, really one, yeah. loved, which I really loved. And it's a very, it's a very big book. And I feel like I could not put it down. And once again, just great stories and all the failure as well That's as failure. the success. And I just love it. I really thrive on that failure and success thing. I'm just like, tell me everything that went wrong and, you know, everything that closed down and, and all the rest of it. Um, and so I feel like that was something that I loved. And for, for, from a, you know, if you want to take a break and you're on a holiday or something, you might have to get it on Kindle because it is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really enjoyed all the stories and the lessons um, and the insights from him. For so, sure. so much vision is there as well. Like just the vision, I just find like blue and that and the, um, the losing my virginity book as well. Like just the, the problem solving. And just the guts, like yeah. the risk. Mm-hmm. I remember the the very first conference that I had, um, I had Lisa Messenger at, which is back in 2015, uh, and the collective was fairly new and she was just like, ask me anything, which I'm just like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so, so, you know, we were talking, I was like, you know, how much revenue does the collective make and how much does it cost to run the magazine every month? Mm-hmm. And, all, and she gave us all the numbers and it was amazing. She's like, we've got eight revenue streams and all the rest of it. Um, but one of the questions I asked her was how did how have you found the courage to sit with risk? Hmm. And I think that that's something I got from Richard Branson as well is just, I don't know, I just think I just, I'm just not sure and maybe I'm just not surrounded by them. I just feel like that risk taking is not where it used to be and I don't know if the cost is greater now or maybe we're just not as daring as they used to be. Mm. I don't know what it is, but I just find that a really interesting um, thing to think about as well. Like what gave them the courage? And this is the same for how I built this people. Like Mm. the people, like there are just some people that just, it's like all or nothing. Yeah. But I wonder if people like Branson is, you know, he started doing that when he was like 14. Like he started doing that. And I think at that point, no one knew. Like, so yes. if you fail, like there's here, it just, it now it just feels so public. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if that, you know, once you can get that behind you, then by the time obviously his career took off and he was more of a public figure and it was more public, you know, but in a different way, he built the muscle. Yeah. And also like, it is a bit of a misnomer that Richard Branson is this massive risk taker because everything is so measured. Like, yes, the ideas are a bit crazy. And yes, he does these, the stunts kind of stuff, which is more personal in many ways, yeah. personal like safety risk, you know, from any of those. He just loves the adrenaline. But yeah. he, he has people around him who measure that risk and mitigate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one, and I'm, I am, I'm like, did I read this this year or was it last year? And I'm just taking, it was actually, she published it. So it must've been last year that I read it, but it was Risk and Resilience, um, the, the Breaking and Remaking of a Brand um, by Lisa Messenger. And I, and once again, I really did enjoy that. Once again, all the insights, but also the other thing that I found from it was it is the whole shiny on the outside thing. And we had a lot, I had a lot of chats at my recent retreat with the women that were there about this. And like you said, everything's so public now and we share everything online and we're always plugged in. And I feel like, you know, Collective just looked like this shining beacon in the women in business world and just in the entrepreneurial space Mm -hmm. in general 
And then when you read that, it's just like the anxiety and the struggle and the money loss and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And I just think that is also just that realisation too that, you know, and I, and I said this to the women at the retreat, everything that you see, like even when you think somebody's totally got it together and I, you know, I love my followers and I think that, you know, the people in my community are amazing. I get so many messages that are like, Suze, mm. you're just killing it. And mm. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like what, like, wh- like when you see, you know, cause I feel like I share a lot of things that I fail. Yeah, you share a lot of the gory, the gory details. I just yeah. like, you know, um, yeah. And so, and so I just think it's just think really interesting, the from, perception. And I think a lot of that, like that, you know, Suze, you're killing it. Really what pe- people are saying, or I imagine a lot of people are saying is, Suze, you're doing something that I don't know how to. Interesting. Interesting. I've never thought about it that way, Steph. But I do find it really like I'm just like I don't like I thank you, but I don't I don't really know what that means because I I feel like I'm in it, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much that's not going the way I'd like it to go. But there's stuff that's doing really well as well. Course, but yeah. I think that when you're in it, and I think these books are just like I love it when mm-hmm. people are in it. Um, and they're reflective and they're honest and they're open and they share. And so those sorts of books, I think, um, which is why I love Tribe of Mentors, which is another mm. one that I've read. And I haven't read it all because it's big. Yeah, so it's I'm different. even, it's I'm like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to like, I'm going to like get back into it these holidays as well. Um, I think that those sorts of things are so important, but I also love the books that you've shared um, because I think that there's a lot of self-reflection there too. Mm. Um, you know, around the power of rituals and the infinite game and and that sort of thing. Uh, and I did also read Brand Hustle by Troy McKenna this year. And I happened to just be at the airport and I just really liked the cover. <laughs> <Sounds all right. laughs> yeah. I'm like, visual branding does matter, people. Um, but, you know, he's uh, one, it's such a good book if you do love branding. And there's so mm. many great stories because he's worked with some of the really, like the biggest brands in Australia and that, which I really love. But one of the things that I literally have written on my Kiki K Yearly Planner board that sits on my wall is every successful brand needs a fearless custodian. Mm. And I was just like that. I feel that in my soul. Um, So I really, really love that. So that's definitely another book. Um, And then I'm also going to dive back into, so these are maybe not all books I've read this year, Mm. but I'm also going to dive back into. your podcast, your rules. It's like, let's just talk about anything, Steph. Um, and then the other one I'm going to dive back into, which is kind of more of a workbook as well as a book, is the Desire Map because I did that quite a long time ago and I feel like I got a lot out of it and so I'm actually going to dive back into that these holidays. Who's that one by? Or so that's the... by Danielle Laporte. Right, yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I did it um, after I, and I've shared this story before, after I did my master's um, and slaved away at that. And then on graduation day, I was like, uh, is this it? Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was like not what I thought it was going to be at all. So um, so I'm going to dive back into that before I kind of go into my 2021 planning and really yes. think about like what, how do I want to be? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What mm-hmm. do I want for myself, my family, my life? And then how do I build a business around that and not just chase the almighty dollar or the numbers or whatever? Like how do I, how do I become the type of woman? I was going to say businesswoman, but woman mm-hmm. that I want to aspire to be and who I would admire in the future and that sort of thing because I look at all of these you know it's kind of the whole thing of we stand on the shoulders of giants and I just look at Brene Brown and I look at Elizabeth Gilbert and I look at you know like even those who are not with us anymore and I just and I just think and even like Michelle Obama and I'm just like these women like there's so much substance Mm. and I will take substance over shiny Mm -hmm. any day and so I just I think that we I think that reading and exploring other people's points of views and stories is where substance comes from. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like there's a quote somewhere in there, but it's like, yeah. I'd rather be a woman of substance than something else. And I'm like, I'm going to go find that quote, but yes. I know somebody said it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that that's, yeah. What do you want, Steph? I don't know. That is, that is we've not got time for that. <laughs> I feel like this, I feel like this, you know, it's, it's, you know, this time of year is always one for existential crisis, isn't it? But, and reflection, but at the same time, I think even more so this year when people just gone, what the hell am I doing? And, and redefine, you know, that whole redefinition of what good looks like, what a good you know, life looks like, what, what, you know, all, all, everything is now up for grabs mm. in many ways and, and up for, for redesigning, but only if you, give yourself the time and space to do it. And only if you stick to it as well, like it's all very well and good doing that. But if you don't actually put the rituals, the processes, the systems, the boundaries, whatever in place for it to happen, uh, we, you'll be five years down the line and be like, hmm, probably, you know, I had that reset year in 2020. Like, yeah, there was, it was horrible in many ways and all the rest, but I had that reset year and I haven't done, like everything's the same. I was going to do so much more and then I never did it. Mm. yeah I think for me like my my the quote I always come back to whilst I never know exactly what I want to be when I grow up and all the rest and I like to I like variety but at the same time the thing I always come back to is I'd rather you know is that that idea of not regretting anything Mm. and I'd rather regret the things I do do than the ones I don't do yes it's like my litmus test for almost anything so good I think that Mm. is the perfect note for us to end this fabulous, juicy, mm, mm, that's the word, mm, delicious. conversation. Delicious. delicious. I'm delicious like, I've just got a sound for it. I don't even have a word for it. Like, look, I look forward to hearing what sound effect you put over that in, in, in post. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> I don't edit apart from when the doorbell rings. Uh, but yes, yeah, so thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing oh, all of those books. I've written them all down um, and I will have all of the links to them in the show notes. Uh, and I have so enjoyed this conversation. Thank it's you. Right. It's funny. I realized the last time we saw each other in person was at the Liz Gilbert event in like February. How long ago does that feel? Yeah. That, that was does. this year. That's crazy. Oh, it was so good, wasn't it? It was so good. Mm -hmm. I could just have sat and just listened to her for another day or so. It was so good. I loved it. Awesome. Well, Steph, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to have all your links as well, but for those who Mm -hmm. are just listening, where's the best place to connect with you? LinkedIn and Instagram are the best places to find me. That's where I'm most active and alive. So, yeah, Steph Clark, Clark with an E on the end on LinkedIn and then Steph's Biz Bookshelf currently on Instagram, but links will be in the show notes. Fantastic. Thanks, Steph. Oh, did you enjoy that? I thought it was some really great sort of holiday listening. I love talking about books. I love sharing great books with you. And so I thought I'd bring Steph on because she's such a bookworm um, and I really loved our conversation. So I hope that you did too. But I also hope that you're having a really great break. I'm recording this and posting this podcast episode during the 2020 sort of festive season in December and so I just wanted something that was not so businessy and something that hopefully inspires you to get reading. I have got some physical books and some crosswords and some find the words and all the rest of it that I'm doing over the holidays just to get me off the screen and get my creative side working a little bit a little bit more um, as well. So I hope that you are enjoying your break if you're listening to this during the break. Well that's it for another week. It has been been amazing to have you here as always and remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick but thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week the music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud until next time have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold